0: So, my subjects, at least for today, uh, since it's Sashim, we like to keep to basics. And so I wanted to talk about Shikantaza. And uh, as I have been doing for the last year and a half or so, uh, I've been So, digging into some of Sojin Roshis' talks uh, and finding ones that seemed to me uh, really relevant to the moment, and uh, very much as he did with uh, the talks of his teacher, and to, to quote from them, to take off on them, to explore. Uh, and uh, you know you you see uh, the wisdom that's carried forward in our in our practice. So first, I just wanted to say a little about the word shikantaza, uh-huh. and it's attributed to Dogen's teacher, to Rujing, uh, uh, which literally means nothing but sitting or just sitting. Uh, And Dogen says, in other words, single-minded sitting or doing it wholeheartedly. And Shikantaza is the, is the Sino-Japanese rendering of Zhirguan, which means also only concentrated with, uh, or simply, only focusing on sitting meditation. Uh, And it's the mark of, Shikantaza is the mark of the Soto school. Uh, And that's often placed in contrast to the the Koan uh, study, Koan introspection method of the the Rinzai school. Uh, In reality, they're not so different but uh, in emphasis, there are some differences. So just sitting uh, is the term that Ruching developed from uh, the teaching of uh, Hongzhu, who used the term silent illumination. Sanwa's illumination in Japanese is Mokushō and what uh what Hongju uh kind of the premise of of his teaching was that uh, this method of meditation this Shikantaza that we do is the integration of the two elements of uh meditation that we hear about in traditional teachings we hear about shamatha the calming of the mind and the pashanya which is insight insightful contemplation and uh those two the integration of those two uh which in earlier meditation Approaches were seen as at kind of as stages to some extent, uh, and still, if, if you go to, uh, you know, if you go to uh, a koenka vipassana retreat, uh, they begin with shamatha, so basically to build your concentration, and then at a certain point, meditation shifts to vipassana. Uh, But with us, uh, we don't separate these things. So it's all silent illumination or shikantaza. Uh, And just to say, there's a, in in his wonderful uh, translation of of Hongzhu, Taigen Leighton writes about he describes the methodology of silent meditation and he calls it a non-dual of objectless meditation and then i'm going to quote him this involves withdrawal from an exclusive focus on a particular sensory or mental object uh, to allow the apprehension of all phenomena as a unified totality. So what you could say what I, the expression that I use is uh, concentrate on everything. Which of course is a one of those conundrums like save all sentient beings. Uh, But just open your mind to this complete receptivity. Um, so, uh, with that as a, as a kind of modest background, I want to look at this talk of Sojanushi's. Uh, he says, we call our practice shikantaza, which means something like just to sit. Uh, To just do, just sit means acting without self or ego or some extra purpose. This is just, this is the opposite of a materialistic way of life. Much of our usual effort is materialistic to have or to accumulate or to improve. Shikantaza is the other side to be. But when we practice to be, sometimes our materialistic side desire raises questions like, where is this going? What do I get from this? Where's the reward? So those are, he says, those are natural questions to ask. And I I feel like they're particularly the territory of the, of the, of day one of Sashin, you know, day one of Sashin is like sitting here, making a shift from our usual way of life to this very moderate and regulated way of life, and very often uh, during the first day, the question comes up what am I doing here? You know, uh, because we're not so comfortable in this, in this transition. But I, I believe one of the great advantages of Sashin is just to have faith in the process of Zazen, and to enter it, and to observe how we become settled and how that question kind of fades away. And we don't have to worry about it. You know, if we think, even if we feel there's some urgency, uh, when Sashin is over, uh, sooner or later, those questions are gonna come back anyway. Uh, But here, We're not actually trying to accomplish something. We're just actually trying to be. Uh, Sojin says, it's enough just to be. If you can settle on just being, you can experience your completeness. But if self-centered desire takes over, we are easily pulled off our seat. He says, often we get bored in Sazen because we're not getting or accomplishing anything in our usual materialistic sense. I'm I'm not sure that's all of it, you know, uh, uh, maybe that's, that's a good way to put it. It's also, we get bored because we're not giving ourselves some candy, we're not giving ourselves uh something to do and we're not used to not doing in in the worldly sense of things uh and so actually i, I just have to to say uh boredom was uh one of my demons for hmm, maybe the first half of my life. Uh, you know, just, and and it was, I think it was essentially, nothing was interesting enough to hold my attention. Uh, and also because underneath that was a sense that I felt I was supposed to be doing something and I didn't know what hell it was. Um, And I can say, um, I realized that at a certain point, not so long into my practice, I was never bored anymore. I really am not. I may get weary in zazen, but that's not boredom. And, uh, you know, so like things that would be, could be incredibly boring, like, waiting for a plane that's been delayed in the airport you know and so you're just sitting there you know what am i supposed to be doing or or just being inactive uh just it's fine i noticed that you know i noticed this even this morning uh when i went up uh use the restroom after the first period of zasa, and I sat down for a moment at the kitchen table. And uh, the sun was warmly coming through the window and shining on the table. It was shining on the, the salt shaker and this this little jar of Japanese pepper that uh, gempo has. and And I just felt, oh, Wow, how luminous. You know, it was just, it was doing nothing, but it wasn't boring. So I don't know, uh, I don't know how many of you experience Zazen as boring. Maybe, maybe you do. And if you do, that's okay. You have to deal with it. Uh, uh, the surgeon says often we get bored in Zazen because we're not getting or accomplishing anything in our usual materialistic self-sense, we feel we have to have some justification for being alive. And then the next sentence is also interesting to me. He says, when we first come to Zazen, we don't know why we like it. You know, uh, maybe when we first come to Zazen, for me, uh, I can't say they didn't know why I liked it, uh, because I'm not sure I liked it. The question was, oh, we don't know, I didn't know why I was doing it, but I had faith in that. Like, liking zazen uh, takes some depth of practice to, to arrive at. When I was um, practicing uh, at Zuiyoji in uh, Shikoku, Japan, the uh, the Tanto was introduced to us one day. He was somebody from outside the temple, uh, and you know, he 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 made his statement to us by way of introduction was, nobody likes sazan, but we have to do it, and. You know, some of us at that point, you know, we "We like zazen. You know, uh, we're not doing this because we have to. So, in a deeper sense, I think Sojin's right. When we first come to zazen, we don't know why we like it. There's something in it that we intuitively and deeply know is feeding us. And even though it's difficult, even though it's painful, we trust that process. So, uh, if he says, "If it feels right, it feels right because it's just enough. It's it's enough just to be. If we can settle on just being in that way." in all of our activity than whatever we do with zazen. Shikantaza, just sitting, is just doing something without any gaining idea, as Suzuki Roshi used to say. So Shikantaza is a total offering, holding nothing back, merging completely sitting at the kitchen table, looking at those mundane things in front of me. There was just this, there was emerging. And it wasn't anything special, it was very ordinary, but it was The oneness of all the things within the field of awareness that I was experiencing. That, let's, all the things in the field (coughs) of awareness that was being experienced. Let me leave I out of it. So surgeon says you need to rediscover how to practice over and over again, so that our effort stays fresh and we don't fall back into the realm of craving. We have to live our life in the world of desire. We have to do that, and at the same time to be free from it. We're not going to get rid of this desire. We don't even want necessarily to get rid of, rid of the desire. But what we want to do is to find a way to be free within it. To engage in selfless activity. To not point everything back to I or me or mine. When we're engaged in selfless activity, our samadhi, our concentration is very strong. And we can enjoy pure activity more than we enjoy selfish activity. In seshin, or long sitting, we talk about to unify the mind or to embrace mind. That's actually the The meaning of the word sashin, to touch the mind. Uh Strictly speaking, sashin is five days or seven days. One day is not usually called sashin, we call it one day sitting. But whether one day sitting, seven day sitting or five day sitting, or I would say even our daily zazen, the principle is the same to unify body, breath, and mind. Those three elements, which uh, we can enlarge on in another talk. Uh, We realize the basic unity of body and mind with the whole universe. That's what's meant by unifying the mind. Mind is already one, with things, but we just need to realize it or to remind or reestablish our balance and harmony continuously. So now we get to the central point, central uh, teaching in this lecture. It is is necessary to find our balance in each moment. What I mean by balance is to take into account and to be aware of all the forces that are active in our body and mind in any given moment. For instance, when we sit zazen, gravity is one great force acting on our body. Another great force is what I call spirit which keeps our body upright. These are the two counteracting forces or polarities of our life, the pull towards the Earth and the pull away from the Earth. The Earth pulls everything towards it. That's the force of gravity. and we say we're grounded in the earth we have to have this grounding you know our, our feet on the ground to know where your feet are to feel uh, to allow gravity to create that bond with the with the ground and with the earth itself or in a tree to allow that the tree or to allow any growing thing with you can, from a sequoia to a blade of grass, uh, it cannot stand. It cannot live unless it is in alignment with gravity, with unless it has its roots in the ground. So that's that's the grounded side. But the counterforce, back to this, the counterforce of vital spirit is pushing us up, or it's pulling us up. So the tree, the blade of grass, or us just standing, or us sitting as we're doing now, uh, we are lifting from the ground, building. From the ground up, we're lifting towards the sky. So that's the spirit side is what lifts us. The spirit is some, you know, formless entity. And, you know, you think about being alive. Just to be alive means to be able to sit up, stand up, and when that spirit departs, we can't stand. There's nothing, there's, there's no way to stand. When we take our last breath, there's no way to reach for the heavens from that place. When we sit, Sojan says, when we sit saza the whole time, from the beginning to end of our long sitting, we're dealing single-mindedly with the problem of spirity, spirit and gravity. Uh, I'm not sure whether it's a problem, it's a dynamic tension. Uh, to sit upright, and not to lean to the left or to the right, not to lean forward, not to lean back, just to be comfortable. How do you sit all day without leaning forward or backward? You know, I really reckoned with this through the first two periods of zazen. It's, there's something uh, because my my knees are messed up and don't let me, don't allow me to sit cross-legged and sitting in a chair. And it's, it's hard, there's, the force of gravity is, uh, I find it harder to counter in a way in a chair than when, when I was sitting cross-legged. So it's, I'm always thinking about this. So this is part of the those three elements of body, breath, and mind, in order to allow breath and mind to be free, I have to find out where to apply just enough energy in uh, in relation to gravity, as I sit in this chair. So Sashim is to struggle with this problem until finally We stop struggling and we allow spirit to find complete unity with gravity. What do we need to know in order to be able to deal in this way with the the problems of gravity and spirit? Recently, I've been talking about how we keep time with our chanting, how we follow the rhythm, and at the same time create the rhythm or push or push the rhythm, how we follow and lead at the same time. And this is very interesting to me. Um, at some point, quite a few years ago, uh, a friend of mine was was talking about... Um, kind of the essential dynamics of uh, of music that, that I played. I mean, in this particular, the essential dynamic of uh, bluegrass music, which is an acoustic music that doesn't have a drummer, uh, that's significant. When you have a drummer, it's like, well, when we have the Makugyo, it's really easy to know where the beat is if the drummers any good. Sometimes they're not so good. Uh, they're pretty good here, but it's like there's something about there's there's like they're drummer jokes, but we won't get into them. Um, but in bluegrass music, uh, everybody has a part. And you are collectively responsible for keeping the beat. And the beat is really important. And sometimes it's really hard because the tempos are very fast. Uh, And the timing is subtle. But what my friend said was uh, everybody in the ensemble is responsible for maintaining. And creating the time of that particular piece of music. So, uh, you know, I could explain this to you what the various roles of the of the of the, uh, the instruments are, because each has each has a piece of the rhythm. But but it's an each has an essential piece that keeps time. But it keeps the time just just as sojun was saying here uh by following by leading and following at the same time that the following means you're keeping the time you're attuned to this inner clock and we are listening to what's going on all around us so we're always doing this in our in our chanting Uh, you know, the time is usually pretty good. The pitch, uh, you know, sometimes it varies uh, because of our energy. But when we're really listening, it's really on the mark. It's not, not that everybody has to have the same pitch, but everybody has to have the intention to blend. Huh? So what Sojin says is, uh, you come to a place where there's no gap, there's no following, and there's no leading, then to lead is to follow, and to follow is to lead. And of course, without losing the unity, he says, we can sometimes emphasize leading, and we can sometimes emphasize following. But there must always be a balance in this unity. The example, this example of chanting can be taken into every situation, every situation in our life. says, so when you're leading the chant with the Mukugyo, one necessary thing is to listen. The other is to lead, to activate yourself. So this is exactly what my friend was telling me about our responsibility in an ensemble. And I will say that, you know, playing music, I feel was kind of the elemental training, that it was really important training that I had before I came here, Uh and I am so grateful for it, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to be able to continue to do that from time to time. When receiving and responding is one unit without a gap, we say there's no subject, no object. Chanting chants, sitting sits. The unity illuminates both subject and object. Exhaling, we give in to gravity. Inhaling, we reach for the sky. In one complete breath, there's the unity of birth and death. So then he continues, and he's elaborating on this, uh, this point that he's making about these, about gravity and spirit. He says zazen has two sides. One is the passive side and the other is the active side. The passive side corresponds to awareness or being attentive. Just letting things come and go. Uh That's what I've been talking about when I talk about just opening your senses and being receptive to whatever it is that you're perceiving, whether you're seeing it, or you're hearing that uh, airplane go by right now. Just just receiving it as letting that plane fly across the sky and disappear. Uh, Just letting things come and go. The active side is the purposeful effort of body and mind, fully engaged in upright posture, total exertion and focus. So this, the active side is how we work with our posture, how we are minutely making corrections from moment to moment. So we say we're sitting in stillness, uh but the stillness includes activity, and the activity includes stillness. So the balance of this Passive side and active side is what we're continuously working with. The passive side allows for all difficulties. It's opening completely to everything without trying to block anything and without trying to inhibit the difficulties and problems. Ah. the active side uh oh I think the battery just died in this um you can hear me though right yeah yeah let let's see I can just talk a little louder if that's okay um because we're still recording um (coughs) The passive side allows for all difficulties. It's opening completely to everything without trying to block anything. Not holding to anything. The active side is the spirit of determination. That's the spirit of like, well, how am I sitting right now? You know, am I slumped? Am I upright? The active, it's the form side with which we maintain our posture. With the active side, we maintain our attitude of constancy. Checking on our activity, returning to our original intention over and over again. The passive side goes along with gravity, while the active side provides the pull away from gravity. Giving us a form which allows spirit to be fully expressed you know, it takes some effort to stand up. It takes some effort to sit upright. It takes some effort that we can't understand for the great redwoods and sequoias to reach as high as they do. We don't we can't understand the effort of a tree necessarily. But it's holding itself up at every moment, I often think about, you know, uh, there's, there's a huge palm tree in front of the old Dwight Way Zendo. People seen that? It's really big, you know, and in any kind of, it's like, it's like, probably 150 feet tall or something like that. It's really big and it's like the whenever the wind comes it's swaying it's like I just wonder, how does it hold itself up you know you just think of the wind as it? it's a whoa here we go it's a door. no I'm gonna go the other way it's doing this constantly moment after moment day after day year after year it's been doing that for at least 50 years Ah, uh, what What is the mind of a tree what is the spirit of a tree it's really good to be like the tree so when when an emotion comes that you know it pushes us in one direction or another and then we just we move back towards because we're grounded we can move back towards the center and we may go a little further, we're constantly finding that center balanced point. That is the way spirit and gravity work together. It's expressed in our posture in zazen. And also it's expressed in our mind, and how we live in our life. The unity between the active and the passive, between gravity and spirit, the basic unity between all things is always there. The way to express this harmony is in Zazen. When we sit today, we should make that effort to close the gap. Oh, here he says what I I just said. Within the total activity is total stillness. Within that stillness is total dynamic activity, not I am sitting zazen, but just this sitting. So it's important, he closes this piece, as Sojin often did by uh, emphasizing, he says, putting attention on posture is the most important. How is this mudra? Is it being held right? Is the back correct, given our limitations? Are our ears in line with our shoulders? Nose in line with the navel? Is the chest open? Are the shoulders relaxed? At the end of this lecture, he says, let your shoulders fall. Your shoulders don't, hold you up if the palm if the crown of the palm tree was what was holding the tree up it wouldn't work the tree has to be held up all the way through its trunk what kind of effort is needed to hold you up where is the fine line which is just balance when we find that balance, that harmony, then total effort seems effortless. So as we move into, uh, as we move more deeply into Sashin, notice how that balance is manifesting for you. Appreciate it, and notice how it's arising for those around you and appreciate their effort and their accomplishment, our accomplishment together and our mutual support for each other in this activity. Doing it together, making this effort together is the, is what Sashin is all about. So with that, I'm going to stop and leave time for, leave a little time for questions. So, hey, Uh,
1: Well, I'm very interested in trees, not just because I'm a carpenter, but because I spend a lot of time climbing and looking in them and the mind of a tree. uh, You know, when a tree's branch stops getting sun, the tree sends tar to the base of that branch and cuts off the water uh, flow so that that, branch will die. Mm-hmm. It's self-cutting. Uh, uh, you know, yeah. uh, the mind of the tree going against gravity goes very straight, but I want to ask you, uh, because the force is consistent and the tree is, is, spirit is raising, I love the way you put it, you see trees that are in the wind. Now they are going straight by nature, but they're also their mind is really dominated or contributed to by the presence of the wind force. And so they tend to grow in, in a very different way than the Sequoia. Can yeah. you speak to the different forces and, and how that uh, shapes us as well as trees? Well,
0: I think it's just like us. You know, some of us are, uh, are shaped and bent by the forces that act upon us within within that particular configuration, uh, whether it's us or the tree, we still have our upright posture. It just may not appear upright in some pure way. you know, so uh, yeah, I mean, some trees uh, which are exposed to, say, a constant wind in one direction are going to be shaped in response to that. And the same thing is true of us as people, I think, Uh, but still they stand. Their fundamental effort is to, is to be upright. Um, yeah. Can we
1: understand our uprightness? what can we understand our own uprightness and though it doesn't look like other trees so to speak
0: that's our responsibility that's what we have to do and we have to ask ourselves how you know am I upright am I in harmony with my surroundings with the other beings around am I am I able to to fit that not am I conventionally uh perfect Thank you.
1: What would you say about the roots?
0: They're essential. The roots are, if there's no roots, thing is gonna, they, there's, there's no life. The roots are drawing, first of all, they're, they they are first they whole they're drawing nutrients they're they grow to provide nutrition to the whole to the whole being and at the same time they're providing stability by having a, a hold within the earth you know so uh you know the roots if the roots are are shallow you know, a tree in the wind is going to fall over thank you i i seem to be aware of how much i don't pay attention to roots in myself and that there's something there's something down there that i can trust and it feels very good when that
1: awareness arises
0: Yeah trying to remember I read a book I know there's a book called the overstory I think I read a book called the understory about is that right does anyone know that it was like all about life under the earth which is just incredibly complex and absolutely essential but I was thinking about roots you know uh so sort of guys from um uh city of Berkeley maintenance crew was out on our block uh yesterday or day before and they put they were putting some uh patches on the broken concrete in front of our house and it's you know it's where the roots uh were were creeping under really quite extensive extensively distant from the tree and then so there's a There's another aspect which whole other talk I think of uh, a forest as a community of the interrelationship, the intertwining of all these roots and of actual, uh, a kind of uh, organic communication that takes place between, between trees and plants which is, you know, pretty amazing. Uh, that's, but, and this is, this is also, I think, a, a live metaphor for us about our community, how our roots are entwined with each other and uh, how we depend on, upon each other too to live and and you know we have this wonderful model uh uh to enact here sashin is that sangha is that it's community within community so we're very fortunate yeah will take one more um anything online yes Peter has a question Peter
1: Um, I've been thinking about your comments about the active side, which is to take care of our upright posture in all its details and with some consistency. And, and it does take this takes some effort. Um, but I'm also noticing that one of the places where I lose my effort is when I'm not paying attention, when I'm not putting energy and effort into into maintaining awareness of what's going on around me in me right so and so there's some effort associated with the passive side which is complementary to the effort of maintaining your upright posture
0: did you hear that um yeah I think that that's true and you know I also think that just from my own experience of aging uh things that I did not have to pay attention to I now really have to pay attention to in terms of physical activity I'm sure you're experiencing that also right yes. yeah It's like every time I bow here you know I really have to think about how I'm moving my body how I'm taking care of my knees how I'm what my form is you know it's like before I just throw myself up and throw myself down and jump up it's like that ain't happening anymore I know but you guys uh, but yes so this this balance is constantly shifting that's the thing it's always shifting and we need to be attuned to it there's no steady state in which we're we're just locked down on that Zazen that's the thing about Zazen Zazen is not a steady state Zazen is a state of total dynamic activity, always adjusting. So I think that's where we will end for today. So thank you.